As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Perfectly executed pass by Bruno Gimaraes. Trippier, lovely ball, running through Jones, and Harvey to keep it out. What a tackle. Unbelievable challenge from Tamori. That is a ridiculous challenge. Oh, I'm just wondering, Al- Almiron goes with it, his left foot because he thinks it's a tap-in. If he takes him with his right foot, the defender can't get back. If he takes him with the right foot, he's got an empty goal. Pulled back by Miley Jolinton! Oh, dear me. Oh. Pick that oh. one out! I'm going to tell you, Fletch, where it comes from. It comes from Anthony Gordon getting into that pocket because Calabria can't go with him. That is a wonderful goal from Jolinton. And this place has absolutely exploded. You cannot hit it sweeter than that. And when Newcastle United needed something big to happen, Jolinton provides it. 1-0. What a hit. Real pulls it back. It's a good cross. It's a chance. It's another chance and it's in. And they're back in the game. And it's Christian Pulisic. And the Newcastle lead is gone. Isak. Taking on Calabria, rolling it back now to Gimaraes! Oh, he puts it onto the bar! What a save by Mania! It's a stunning oh, save, Ali. That really is. Brilliant save off the crossbar. Heavy touch by Libramento, and now Leao's in. And he's through here for AC. Milano is in the post! Yeah, oh, my word! Still running, share. Good defending by Calabria. He's out of position, Lorenzi, He's out of position. There. Here come Milan. Jovic. Played on here! Chukwesi off the bench, and it could be a heartbreaker in Europe for Newcastle. Ah, there we go. What an intro that is. Uh, That is heartbreaking though, isn't it? Listening to that again, my word. Uh, Yeah, my name's Taylor Payne, uh, and I'm here with uh, Chris Woff and George Colton. George, how are we feeling this morning? Pretty knackered. Yep. But yeah, um, 
sort of a bit empty as well. It's that strange feeling, isn't it? That sort of slight, slight hollowness where you can't quite get to grips with that's that done for this season. Yeah, because it's it's felt like such an epic campaign in the Champions League. It's only been a handful of matches, really, hasn't it? But it feels like we've had a bit of everything, and and at the end of it, to kind of come away with nothing feels uh, pretty pretty brutal. So we've had a taste, and we want more, don't we? Absolutely, Chris. We want more, don't we, Chris? We'll get more, surely. That's the hope. That's the direction of travel that the club wants to go in, but nothing is a given, as Newcastle United found out in in the group of F, the group of death, whatever you want to call it. Um, but <laughs> group of F. Uh, it, yes, I mean, we're going to get into the, to the, to the whys, wherefores, and, and how it all happened. But I think I'll just start by saying... If you look at the, the start of the campaign, when everyone was looking, it was the it was the group that everyone or a lot of people said they wanted. Dan Byrne came out this quarter from later. He said at the time that's the that's the, the teams they want. You want to play the proper teams in the Champions League. And Newcastle have not disgraced themselves. Yes, in oh. the end, they finished bottom of the group. They didn't lose at either Milan, seven times champions in European competition, or Paris Saint Germain. This this rich side who've been built over the last few years and have arguably the best player in the world. Yeah. Back-to-back defeats to Dortmund really cost them, but I, it certainly was not a disgraceful campaign. It feels very, very painful at the moment and still raw. You're totally right. I know we will. I know we're just saying hello, Terry, at the minute. And, uh, That's it, fine. It, it'll yeah. be your turn in a second um, to say hello. But it's like, <laughs> Chris, Chris is absolutely spot on. It's, it struck me in that first half last night, when Newcastle were just absolutely in control against AC Milan yeah. about, and I know there's obviously huge, there's been a huge difference between Newcastle's away form and home form this season, but it does take me back to the away end in the San Siro where I was lucky enough to be and it was brilliant. And, you know, you get that sense of majesty of not just the stadium, but the opponents they're playing, but, you know, the the magnitude of the occasion, the Champions League, Newcastle back, and the way Newcastle were on the back foot over there for the whole match, more or less. Yeah. And the campaign has ended with Newcastle in control against the same opponents. Now, it's not ended up the way we would have dreamt of, the way we would have wanted. But over the course of those four games, there's been a change. In the end, Newcastle finished where their seeding said they should finish. But, there's, I mean, it's been an epic journey to get to that point. I mean, it's just been brilliant. Anyway, hello, Taylor. How are you? I'm all right, yeah. I'm all right. I, I, don't, I don't think I feel as, as gutted as I thought I was going to feel. I felt instantly quite gutted last night, but I think... Oh, 100%. You know, I, th- I think there's a feeling of pride there, and I think I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely sort of buzzing that we've got the chance to do this so early. And we, I, I mean, we didn't think this was going to come along for a long time, did we, George? So... To, to be able to go and, and play against those teams. And, and, you know, you don't just want to go and make up the numbers. You want to go and actually challenge. And I think we've done that. There's, the, you know, there's there's moments in all of those games when it could have been completely different. And yeah. We might be sitting here now saying we're through when we're playing Bayern Munich in the next round or something, you know. So, yeah, it, it, it's one of them, isn't it? And it won't be the last time, will it? We'll, we'll be back. That's the idea. That is the idea. I mean, again, it's... A- Last night started with that incredible War Flags tribute, the, those beautiful words for from Sir Bobby. Um, you know that idea of no, it's it's not it's not beyond it's, it wasn't beyond our wildest dreams because we had wild dreams. We've got those wild dreams again. Obviously, you know that was a nod back to Feyenoord and the whole you know the idea that Newcastle could do that sort of thing again against Milan. Ultimately, it wasn't to be, but those you know those dreams have been unleashed now. That's the kind of a fantastic thing about the club. It's also one of the pressures with the club now because it's a ferocious dream we have and it's a ferocious hunger to be better because we've 
taste of the Champions League, as you say, ahead of schedule, you know, there's now that ferocious drive to experience it again. So we've got to deal with all those different emotions and pulls and pressures. And of course, this is now a club that's half expected to be back there. So lots of conflicting emotions, but I'm the same as you. I've I've felt really proud last night, proud of the stadium, proud of the players who've absolutely given everything and ultimately in very, very difficult circumstances for everyone. And they nearly pulled it off. But it's just been a wonderful reintroduction back to Europe. I was very sniffy about the Champions League for all those years when we weren't in it. It's bloated. <laughs> it's just the same teams playing each other. It's yeah. boring. I think I said I cancelled BT Sport just at the point that Newcastle got back in, so I had to kind of go back cap in hand. But it was. it's been... You know, that difference of occasion, the difference of opponents, the step up in quality, going to those stadiums, playing those teams, seeing those different players. It's just been it's been an absolute thrill. Really has. It certainly has. Right then, let's get on to the game. Uh, it promised to be a memorable night on Tyneside, didn't it? As Newcastle hoped Dortmund would do them a favour uh, and they could come out victorious against AC Milan. But as you all know, Chris, especially you, a lot can happen in two minutes, can't it? Uh, and it was quite a niggly opening, wasn't it? Newcastle dominated that first half. I'm not quite sure how we can respond to that. Two minutes is a very long time, is the way I would respond to that. But um... <laughs> all I'll say is you've become a father for the first time quite recently. <laughs> Think about right. what you will. That's an image we need to put in a very small box, swallow, and then never come back to. Never ever think about it. Um, yeah, I mean the the first half an hour in particular, I thought that Newcastle were by far the better team without really creating loads of clear cut opportunities. They were very much in control in terms of possession and territory. Milan really at that point weren't offering anything except yeah. Liao, the odd run on, on the break. He was clearly the danger man in terms of his pace and that was really Milan's only route to trying to get towards Newcastle's goal in the first half, go long towards Giroud and then hope that, that Liao can, can can get a sort of second ball and that they get through in that way. And there were there were a couple of sort of half moments for Milan but really Newcastle were playing well. I thought the midfield was functioning very well for Newcastle. Joel Linton was, was everywhere. Bruno Gimaraes was getting on the ball. Lewis Miley, some lovely touches, some very clever runs in down the right. And yeah, it was just that the final sort of ball wasn't really there other than the big Miguel Almiron chance, which was in the package earlier on, which came from Kieran Trippier feeding through Joe Linton, who had run into the box. And then he basically, it was sort of like a cross shot beyond. And I'm not sure if he was trying to shoot off. He was trying to play an Almiron, but it got beyond Mannion. And then Almiron at the front post, you're thinking... Go, go with your right foot here. Or if you see your back, you think go with yeah, your right foot. Go with and then right for Kaya Tamori, who makes a wonderful tackle, but he probably wouldn't have the opportunity to do that if he'd gone with his right foot. But this is Miguel Almrod, and we know yeah. that he goes with his left foot for just for just about everything. He'd waited yeah. and maybe thought he had more time. And and unfortunately, with the goal gaping, Tamori manages to clear that. And at that point, I think there was a bit of hmm, this might not quite be Newcastle's night. And George, I mean, as our friend on uh, Twitter, Toon Paul's pointed out. Our friend from work, Alan Shearer, would have uh, taken man, ball and everything into the Leaser's end, wouldn't he, in that situation? But Miggy just wasn't there, wasn't quite ready for it. No, and um, yes, of course he would. And it's it's kind of frustrating when you see players sort of not able or not willing to use their weaker foots to sort of, you know, weak, sorry, fuck. Foots. Weaker foots. Um, yeah, absolutely. And... You know, in 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 kind of in this day and age, you you sort of want to see players feel confident enough to use their weaker foot. Fuck! I've just done it again. I can't say feet or foot. <laughs> Putting my feet in my mouth. What's what's the phrase? Shoot myself in the foot. Foot in mouth disease. Um, just whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, have another go. 
No, because the thing is, I know that Ollie is going to use yeah, this now anyway. So it's like it's just pointless. I just can't. I can't be bothered. I can't be bothered. It's, I can't. I can hardly criticize Miggy Almiron for using his wrong. R- 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 <laughs> <laughs> Fuck! I'm so Would tired. You, just, just on, just on, on the point. On. I feel, I feel, I know what it's like to be an Eddie Howe player. I've just been, I've, I've been slogged. I'm running the ground, on you, the ground. Yeah, whatever. He didn't score. Move on. In, ter- in terms of the way that that chance came about, uh, there was at one point where I tried to point something out tactically to George in the first half, while I was pretending I knew what I was talking about. George, George <laughs> actually pulled that? his hood up so that he didn't have to listen to me. Actually, just, so, just so that. Uh, but, but, but the, the interesting thing that I thought with with Joe Linton was that usually you'd see him overlapping or underlapping on the left-hand side, but despite being the left-sided number eight, he was very, very narrow at times. Newcastle were clearly trying to bombard mm. the edge of Milan's box, and eventually the global commando sort of came from that as well. George's, if those who can't see, obviously everyone else, George has put his hood up now because he is very bored of my comment, but it was clear that, that, that Newcastle had identified something, that if, if they overloaded the middle, that's where Milan could be weak, and that's where that chance came from, and that's also where Newcastle's goal eventually came from as well. Yeah, Joel Linton was given uh, plenty of time and space, wasn't he? Uh, just inside the box, and he took advantage. Probably one of his best games, George. He was he was fantastic off the ball. What a hit as well. Yeah, it was one of those sort of man possessed performances from Joel Linton last night, wasn't it? He yeah. was well up for it. He was he? he was brilliant. He was absolutely fantastic, and it was just you know that was just a rocket. That was just a rocket of a show. He, you know, he used to be a he used to be a centre forward. You know, did did you remember that? Don't, don't recall. It, so it's goals like that. You think, oh yeah, maybe there was something there, and then you see him from like two yards out, missing, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> missing a header. Yeah. Um, but no, he was just he was brilliant. He didn't deserve he didn't deserve to be on the losing side last night. But then you know, none of the players did really. I mean, I I, I do think it's been been an astonishing effort. Uh, all round, really, but but yeah, wasn't to be, was it? No, Chris Lewis Miley, um, another goal involvement from him, the youngest player in UEFA Champions League history to assist a goal for an English club, breaking Theo Walcott's record. Uh, brilliant, lovely to see him involved. Um, he was great again in that first half, wasn't he? Cool, calm, collected on the ball, and then the little assist for Joel Linton as well, just topped it all off. He was. I mean, I always find these stats fascinating because it's like 17 years and 226 days. I think we should all just record every single day that we are, like, you know, like, I am 32 years and, and I don't know, 81 days, however old I am. I think we should all just, every day, that should be the way you introduce yourself to somebody else, just so they know yeah. exactly where you rank in terms of the age profile. I mean, George would be too many to count, but, but that's... Yeah, I don't want to do that. <laughs> but anyway... But in terms of Lewis, mate, he was. I thought again, as I said, certainly for the first hour, I thought he was, he was very, very good again. Those clever runs. There was a few times when your castle got in down that side, mm-hmm. and when you watch it back, a goal comes about because Cher plays it into Gordon, who again had cut in. He'd come cut in from the left hand side. Was was surging up through the middle. He plays it across to Lewis Miley on the right-hand side of the box. And I think, again, not exactly the same, but similar to his assist for Isak against Chelsea, you think a lot of players, I think, would shoot or try and play a low cross across the box. And it's almost instinctive, yeah, almost instinctive that he just plays a little chop pass inside to Joe Linton. Very, very, basically in Joe Linton's path perfectly. Joe Linton takes one touch with his right, the ball bounces, and just as it's on the uplift on the half volley, he catches it with that with that vicious shot. And it was a very, very good move all round, very, very good finish. And I think that, that sort of summed up where, what Newcastle can and, and were doing at times to Milan. The final ball wasn't always there, yeah. but they did create a lot of openings and they, they took that one in, in wonderful fashion. Just on Lewis Miley-Taylor, if you go back through his... 
his starts this season. Man City, Bournemouth, Chelsea, Paris Saint-Germain, Man U, Everton, Tottenham and and AC Milan. My word. I mean, it, mad, it's it? some introduction. It it really is. And yeah, obviously it's great that we, we see Sean Longstaff coming back into the fold now and he's so important to Newcastle's tempo. But... What a player Newcastle have on their hands. It's just, it's, yeah, incredibly exciting. It really is. Uh, and Milan's opening 45 minutes, Chris, was summed up by a, a massive meltdown by their goalkeeper just before half time, wasn't it? He was not a happy bunny. Yeah, I'm not really sure what was happening with Mannion at that point. I mean, he was booked for, it, they actually they actually won the free kick, didn't they? And he was booked for descent. And then he kept, he kept on showing descent. Yeah. I saw some Newcastle fans after the game actually commenting about the added on time in general, I think referring back to th- that awful night in Paris in terms of those eight minutes of added time, the, the penalty that's given. And there seemed to be very little added time last night considering there were quite yeah. a few stoppages. I mean, second half, there was only four minutes. First half, was it two minutes, I think? Two minutes, yeah. And for that, for that very incident, there was it took at least a minute and a half. So I think that yeah. whether, whether playing longer w- would have changed things, I'm not sure. Newcastle looked a little bit gone once the second goal had gone in for Milan. But equally, I can there were those sorts of moments where it felt a bit odd and it's like the referee he tries to assert his authority by booking Manion and then he just lets him continue doing what he's doing and doesn't book him again and it's almost that sort of I don't quite have the, the courage here to, to give him a second yellow but really yeah. if you are going to try and take authority within the match I think there was an argument to say that he possibly could have sent him off at that stage as well There was another one where one of their players picked the ball up at a free kick and ran away with it and the ref came over and said uh, come on now don't do that or I'll book you and I thought all you've done there it's given him the opportunity to do that again later on, if he wants to. Book him the first time, and he certainly won't do it again. But, you know, I thought overall, though, I, I kind of thought the ref had a decent game. I thought he wasn't too bad. Um, right, let's have a quick break, and we'll be back in just a moment. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. So, uh, Dortmund, they took the lead, didn't they? And things are going well. Probably too well, George, uh, if we're being honest. Milan, slightly Sorry, fortunate. can I jump in at that point? What I was going to ask Taylor is, we were in the press box, so we're sort of getting information from people. How did you find out, what, what, what was it in terms of, because in the second half, there's obviously all these moments going on where Dortmund score, PSG equalise, PSG yeah. score, then it's disallowed. How how were you finding out? Was it was a sort of weird amount? How did you, how did anyone how did anyone get phone signal? I got a I got a Facebook message off my my other half who was watching the game in the house, and she said mm, well, there you go. she said uh, Dortmund have scored, and then she messaged me to say PSG have scored, and then I was like, oh, and then 
she messaged me to say PSG's goal's been disallowed, and I was like, oh. "It's the great, it's the great four G, five G, three G, two G, one G black hole." It's like you have to pass on messages to people by abacus at St James's Park. I mean, it's I like, managed to get a carrier pigeon out. Did the first you, half, George? Excellent. Yeah, that's how I found out. Vape yeah. signals. Um, but I, I do love those. I, it's like it, it has only been five, six games. Yeah, six games. But it's like it's felt like an epic, and like last night itself felt like an epic. And I love those moments where you've got those reports of yeah. goals going out in elsewhere, and it like suddenly the Gallagate starts. You feel it go around the ground. Yeah, starts jumping, and then everyone else kind of yeah. catches up, and yeah, and then it kind of gets onto the pitch, and then there's a surge of energy, and the noise goes up a level, and it was, it was perfect. And then you know suddenly you get that you then get those moments of of fear and trepidation as well, and it kind of affects everybody. I mean, it, you know, when when I think back to that, albeit it didn't end the right way, it it kind of makes me smile because you you know Newcastle are in absolutely the elite competition, and it's all to play for, and that's you know that's that's what we want. It was fantastic. The shame is that Milan's equaliser comes just absolutely from nowhere. I mean, that's their first shot on target, and it's you know as Chris was sort of saying earlier, there was no threat. Newcastle didn't take their chances, but there was really very, very little threat from Milan aside from on the break. Yeah. And it just kind of sucked the energy out of out of Newcastle at a time when things had started to turn in the other game too. So from that moment there's sort of a loss of there's a loss of control, wasn't there? And it's and it and it then became which team could keep its nerve, I think. I mean, the defender's not great from that goal either, is it, Chris, to be honest? No, I mean, at the time, I only had I had to watch it back this this morning because I was sort of writing a lot during the second half because there was sort of a live piece going up. And, and I thought that it, it's a bit weird how Liao seems to be in a heck of a lot of space. But Trippier is slightly higher at the pitch and slips. And then Livermento's almost caught in sort of no man's land, doesn't know whether to, to follow Liao. Lascelles doesn't really come across. And so the ball's played in. Liao's got acres of space just on side to then play the ball into the box. And it, it's like pinball for a little bit, but Giroud makes a lovely touch and basically nobody at the back post follows uh, Christian Pulisic. And it is at this point that I want to apologise to every single person associated with Newcastle United because if I was partly responsible for the cup final defeat earlier in the year for, for the letters that Jacob and I got from, from players' <laughs> families, I, I have unfortunately... Have inherited a terrible. I think I've mentioned this trait before from my father, the Steve Woff trait of of saying things which I shouldn't say during a match. And I said to George, and I also messaged my boss, basically saying that Christian Pulisic. I've never seen him play well live. Never seen never seen him do anything. Never seen him play well live. Oh, and I mean, I still maintain that because I didn't think he played very well. But obviously, he po- nah, <laughs> he pops up good. with with one key moment when Giroud plays him in, and, and he finishes the huge moment. That's that's what you want players yeah. like that for. That's that's I suppose the argument as to why he's considered to be among one of the best players in Europe is that the key moments he delivered and he took that chance. He had one moment in the game, takes it, and Newcastle were punished for that sloppy defender and suddenly the game took a very, very different uh, picture. Uh, yeah, and then we're speaking of big moments, Chris, a series of big moments uh, came to define the game, didn't it, George? And Eddie Howe agreed with you that the game turned on two or three key moments. Let's have a little listen to this. Very much so. You even look at tonight's game and the save their goalkeeper makes at 1-1, how close that is to going in for us. And then, of course, we concede the first goal, which, as I said, we're disappointed with. And uh, then it was end-to-end. And it was it was basically a case of who's attacking players are going to put the best move together to win the game. And unfortunately, that was them and not us. But I don't think in any game we've been really outplayed. And the players have, have been very close on a number of occasions to get in. You go back to the Dortmund game here, that could have been very different. Tonight's game obviously could have been very different. But that's the elite competition you're in. And any mistake you make gets punished. So that's certainly stuff for us to reflect on. 
Actually, that I mean, my question wasn't just about Milan. It was about the whole campaign, really. It just feels like there's been so many, so many kind of little moments either end of the pitch. I mean, there's also been some, some kind of bigger things. It's you know the the two games against Dortmund, Newcastle weren't weren't at their best, particularly at home. Not at our best on or off the pitch. A kind of a flat occasion after PSG, but there's been there's been so many little moments. But that's that is absolutely the key at this at this level. As how also said, you make a mistake. You get punished, and I think you can get away with things in the Premier League, uh, even now that you just can't get away with at the Champions League. So if you don't take your chances, you will almost certainly pay for it. And um, yeah, it it happened happened at either end against Milan. It did big moments and big chances that man and save from uh, Bruno Gimaraes, Chris. Huge, yeah. That was inc- what an incredible save that is. I've seen the replay of that from behind Bruno as he curls it round, and the keeper doesn't look like he's going to get anywhere near it. I mean, we've seen Nick Pope produce some wonderful saves in ge- in general, particularly in the Champions League this season. He had them at the PSG, he did them at Milan. Yeah, but that was a huge moment, and that's where you look at it, and we can see he had a meltdown just before half time. But but you can see why there's been a lot of interest in Manion if he can make saves like that as well as being very good on the ball and it was Isak had played the ball inside to Bruno who want, seemed like he wanted to shoot first time but was was blocked off so then took a nice touch to the right and he kills it and Mannion sees it very late because because there's a player yeah, directly does. in front of, of Bruno just from the edge of the area and it, it's hit with a fair amount of whip and a fair amount of pace and that arm that, that right uh, left arm just comes out all of a sudden and tips it Onto onto the but how he gets it that high as well. I mean, you, you, and then and then obviously a way to safety, and that felt like a huge moment because I think if Newcastle had scored and retaken the lead, I think that that probably would have been a sucker punch for, for Milan, and probably the the crowd would have got Newcastle through in the end. Whether that would have affected things that happened in Dortmund and PSG, I don't know because according to. Pete Rutzler, who was was there for us covering PSG for the, for the Athletic, he said that basically when news of Milan's second goal, which we'll get onto in a second, came through at, at, at Dortmund, basically a game which had been apparently been ridiculously open there. Suddenly Dortmund were like, "Let's calm things down now. Let's let's not be let's not do anything silly here." Because both of them knew they were going through. So that's how the yeah. what, what happens in one match can also affect what happens in the other game as well. And yeah, that that felt like a defining moment in Newcastle's entire Champions League campaign. That save, yeah. And Fabian Scher, he went on a little adventure, didn't he, George, as is his want. He will do that occasionally. Uh, was it a bit ill-advised this time? Did we go a bit too gung-ho too early? So the question about that is really, you know, at that stage, Newcastle would would have been finishing third in the group and then would have gone into the into the Europa League. And I think certainly at the end of the game, right at the very end of the game, that was something that we were all discussing. It's like not only did Newcastle sort of lose the Champions League at that moment, they also lost Europe as a whole. But I mean, Eddie Howe put up a very, very spirited defence of those tactics and that way of playing at the end, he said that the you know the whole message before the match and during the match was that we are going for the Champions League, and that push to win. And I, I do sort of agree with him that you know if you're if you're in that position with with the last sixteen of the Champions League ahead of you, that's what you push for. You're at home, you've been in control for most of the match, and sort of changing that philosophy at that point is quite difficult. But really, is that what you do? I mean, and is that what you do at home? And he also said, you know, that's the way I've played throughout my whole career. It's my way. You know, it's not something I'm going to step away from. It's something that served me well. And this is the Newcastle way. He wants this to be the Newcastle way historically. And I guess that's an echo back to the, you know, back to the Keegan times. This is a team, team and a club and a city that pushes and pushes and pushes. And 
you know, I like that. I like that attitude. I think in the cold light of day, you could say that if Newcastle approached that dif- differently, um, you know, they would have had a consolation prize. But, you know, it's also what Fabian Scher does. You know, we know he loves to get forward. We know he loves to spray the ball forward. Absolutely. And you don't want to have that feeling of what if after a, after a game like that, do you? If people say it feels naive or it was naive, I, I, you know, it's difficult to sort of argue against that, except it's the way Newcastle play. And with the Champions League ahead of them, I think they had to go for it. I don't see that as a huge crime personally. Fair play. Um, just before the winner, Chris, uh, Yunus Musa conceded what is possibly the most blatant yellow card I think the world has ever seen. Um, Newcastle are seen as a streetwise team, aren't they? But they've probably still got a bit to learn when it comes to European competition. That is taking one for the team in uh, absolutely epitome of taking one for the team, isn't it? It is, and I think this is in reference to, to Milan's second goal, which basically there seemed to be opportunities for both Alexander Isak and uh, was it Bruno Gimaraes? I'm not sure Bruno. who it was. A Bruno who could have Bruno, potentially yeah. Yeah. brought down uh, the Milan midfielder b- before they sort of broke and it was like a four-on-three and I mean, I think it's 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 again that experience at this very top level. That that was really what came down to in both matches against Dortmund. The key moments, Dortmund sort of took them. Maybe that extra experience, that little bit of know-how, or that streetwise. Yeah, it's probably it's probably a good term for it. Or ruthlessness as well. And and Milan in that situation were ruthless. It's like yeah, Musa concedes a yellow card, very blatant, very cynical, but. It, it then gives a platform for Milan to go on and do what they did, and I mean, it's a one of those. If you, this is a one of those matches where if you look at sort of the expected goal stats afterwards, it look it doesn't retell really the story of the game because Newcastle's xG was one point seven eight, Milan's is one point nine six, but that's mainly because of what happened in the last twenty minutes when yeah. they hit the post twice. Basically, they they broke, and you could see how dangerous they are as a counter attacking team. And Newcastle, I think they were a bit naive in points. I I understand all 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 that's what Fabian shares about, but equally, I didn't think that. It was. I actually thought that wasn't Fabian Scher doing what Fabian Scher does as much. I think that was almost Fabian Scher losing his head a little bit because usually when he makes a run and makes a move, it's a little bit more controlled and there's, he usually knows that the, what the outcome potentially could be. At that point, it's like none of the rest of the team had really reacted to what he was going to do either. So I think there was a bit of confusion mm. whether that was to do with the injuries as well, which affected Newcastle. Obviously, Kieran Trippier, a huge player for Newcastle, huge leader, had gone off. Tino Levermento had shifted to, to right back. Dan Byrne had come on at left back, which which we should probably mention. Astonishing that he's back inside six weeks after back, yeah. uh, three fractured bones in his in in his back. For him to come back onto the field that that early, it, it, it's astonishing. And unfortunately, obviously, it wasn't the outcome that he or anyone surrounding Newcastle United wanted. But you, you also lost Anthony Gordon, who'd done a lot of run in the first half. He sat came on on the wing, and, and and Newcastle just felt a little bit disjointed. And I think that's a story of of the campaign, really injuries and, and lacking the two biggest summer signings they made. That Sandro Tonali hasn't featured since the Dortmund home game when he came on, and, and that was really an unexpected appearance because he'd already you knew that. Uh, coming through at that point was his 10-month ban, but also he barely had Harvey Barnes, and they win Newcastle's two big summer signings, the one who meant to make a difference in the Champions League, and Newcastle really haven't had them for this campaign. So beyond the rest of the injuries they've had, they haven't had those two difference makers for the majority of their campaign. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, overall, though, you would have to say the feeling is is one of pride, isn't it, as Dan Byrne said after the match last night? Yeah, disappointed, obviously, to be in a position that we're going through at one point and to come away and not be in Europe at all, yeah, it's really disappointing, but proud of the lads, the, the sort of performance that we put in and uh, we're campaigning as a whole, to be fair, because I think for however long we've not been in, we've shown a good account of ourselves and a few things happened where it could have been so different. 
I mean, during the game, were you aware of the permutation? Were you aware of what was going on in there uh, across in Dortmund? Uh, no, I hadn't checked or anything. Um, just saw that you could hear the crowd um, after I came on, so you could hear with that. But we weren't really confident. We just wanted to put in a good performance for us, and then whatever else was sort of going to happen. I mean, you mentioned that the sort of the group itself. I mean, the quality of the group it was the so-called mm. group of death, and, and you certainly haven't disgraced yourself. No, not at all. And we wanted that. I said before, like you, to play in the Champions League, you want to play against the best teams. Uh, we didn't work hard last season to, to get in the position we did to, to not do that so as I said we've played probably three of the best teams that are in the Champions League so to come here and, and put in the performances that we did more be it not to, not to progress um, it's disappointing but as I said I'm very very proud of the team for me there's absolutely no there's no kind of rancor there's no anger there's yeah there's disappointment after last night but it was a, a feeling of pride I mean I think Newcastle have, have equipped themselves brilliantly and again within the specific circumstances they're facing you know all these players out battling through it it is a feeling of pride and I felt I felt also felt sorry for the players last night and I think they've done a magnificent job I think with a full squad to choose from it would have been a different story in this group but it's also the first time that that they that the coaching staff that we as fans have have had of this competition and it's affected us all in different ways. Um, but it's just it's just been an absolutely brilliant, brilliant, brilliant experience. It's a great reminder of of where Newcastle want to be and where Newcastle is striving to be. And there should I think there should only be a feeling of you know of great pride. The the key is to make sure that it doesn't hang hang about us in a in a sort of disappointing way. So yeah, there could be there could be implications, there could be um you know, there could be difficulties ahead, but I, I just feel great great pride of what happened. And Chris, it's not just about about the game, is it, and about the Champions League. There's other implications, financial and other things to think about with regards to Newcastle United going forward. So I've done a piece which has gone up today, Thursday, on on the Athletic, sort of looking at the the very financial implications of this. And Newcastle have probably got somewhere between fifteen and thirty million minimum from being in the Champions League, but they've also missed out on a conservative estimate of probably twelve to fifteen million from not qualifying for the next round, also not being in in the Europa League. Uh, that it's it's not worth anywhere near as much as being in the Champions League but you also have increased match day revenue and that would have uh, also potentially aided the January budget and the budget beyond so that will be affected that what Monty Castle can do with FFP ceiling will be affected to a certain degree by not progressing but beyond the financial implications I mean you look at, at Newcastle's season now and it's also some will argue they've got fewer games and that means they can get more players back and they can concentrate on the league and try and get back in the Champions League for next season. I'm not sure I fully buy that on the Champions League point because they wouldn't have played in the Champions League for a few months anyway, so I don't think that's so much of it. Europa League, there is an extra round in it if they'd have dropped into that, so I do understand the argument for that front. And also, do you want Thursday-Sunday football? My belief was Newcastle could have done with that because I think they need to learn more about European football and progress, but not everyone agrees. Some people says it'll be better. Some people think it'll be better if they're not in that and then concentrate on the league so it's it's about the league now they're seventh they're seventh point off the top four and fifth place which could get an extra Champions League spot next season has been negatively affected by both Newcastle and Manchester United finishing bottom of their Champions League groups they sort of need other English teams to go well in European competitions from now probably whether it's uh, Man City win the Champions League again or whether it's Liverpool win the Europa League Villa win the uh, Europa Conference League they need someone to do something like that really to, to aid that coefficient which would help them and then as well as the league, obviously the focus is on huge game at Chelsea next week in the Carabao Cup and then 
FA Cup, which kicks off for Newcastle with that huge We Are Tyne derby. So yes, there are big implications on and off the field for Newcastle from this European exit. I mean, I I certainly w- you know would have loved would have loved Newcastle's European adventure to continue in whatever competition and I agree with Chris they you know it's where they want to be and I think that you know more experience of going to different places and facing different teams would be valuable where this could benefit them is in terms of the psychology of it because even though if you're not facing games for a little while there is that knowledge that you're in that competition and it does you know it affects your thinking all the time you know in terms of facing fixtures yeah we've got Europe we're in Europe as well and that that might sound like a kind of very minor point but I don't think it is I think I think the fact that Newcastle have had these European games ahead of them has been difficult to get your head around particularly when you're preparing for other matches and I think you know, I think I think where this could be a positive, not straight away because they've you know they've got a load of fixtures still ahead of them, is in terms of having a bit of clarity of thought. You know, it 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 their their priorities, not through their own desires, have been restricted. You know, so they're not, it's now it's now one less competition, but in some ways that might be helpful to help sort of focus focus the brain a bit I mean I think that has been one of the big things about this season not just um you know the the physical way that Newcastle have been stretched but also the mental way that they've been stretched and yeah, yeah I, I think it won't do them harm to be able to say okay we're out of Europe let's get back into Europe I mean I think that's kind of quite a powerful message and it was one that Howe was stressing again after the match you know the the push now has to has to be for Newcastle to get back there in one way, shape, or form. Absolutely, one hundred percent. It does have to be the target. Uh, right then, that's it for now. I will be back in just a moment. Uh, give your loved ones the gift of the Athletic for Christmas this year. Imagine coming down on Christmas morning and finding George Colgan in your stocking. My word, it doesn't bear thinking about, does it? George Colgan in stockings, yeah. Go to theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle pod before January the 1st and choose between 1999, that's pounds, dollars or euros, for a one-year subscription or 39.99 for two years. Right, we'll be back in just a moment. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So, with the Champions League hangover still throbbing, Eddie Howe's men have two days to dust themselves down and prepare for Fulham at St James's Park. I think it's fair to say, Chris, this is the first game of the rest of the season, isn't it? Are we going to go through all the cliches here? Is this, you know, you know, you've already used dust themselves down, you know? I am a walking cliche, yeah. Chris. It feels like st- just feels like Steve it. Bruce territory. This it feels like we're going into, you know, just going- well, you know. We're gonna we're gonna dust ourselves down and we'll keep taking along. Um, but yes, and that, that has. To- <laughs> that was doing Steve Bruce, by the way. There, <laughs> yeah, that was right, right, yeah, it sounded exactly like him. Yeah, yeah. 
if yeah. Steve Bruce was an old woman. Um, but anyway, continue. Uh, I, I do, I do think that that is that is the way Newcastle have to to look and, and approach this, and that is the way Eddie Howe is certainly going to approach this. That means that that not that the Champions League was a distraction, but it means that they can focus on other other things now. There's a huge match against Fulham, who are in form, scored back to back matches of scoring five goals. At St James's on Saturday, so so that's not going to be an easy match. But we know their home form in the league has been very very good, and hopefully, the AC Milan defeat doesn't sort of dent that because yeah. that's where that's re- the reason why they are still sort of in touch with the top four because they're doing very very well at St James's, and then Chelsea in the Carabao Cup they are they're one game away from being in in, in a two legged semi final again, and, and and Chelsea are in a bit of turmoil. But again, we know what Newcastle's draws have been like all the way through, and that's a very difficult match, and then a very a bit of a, a banana skin match going to Luton just before Christmas as well. So that next week, Newcastle just have to put this to one side. They ha- emotionally, this is going to be very, very difficult to get over, but they're going to have to. And that's why the schedule has been so challenging as well this season. And to have suffered such a blow, to not be in anything, and when at one stage looked they were going to be going through, for the players and management, they have to try and compartmentalise all of that. And how they do that, I'm not entirely sure, but that's the way exactly that they have to approach it. It's a brilliant test for the team and for St James's, for everyone there, I think, as Chris said, Fulham are bang in form. But that's those two games, those two 5-0 wins were home matches. Their away form has been pretty hopeless. And when I say pretty hopeless, it's very similar to Newcastle's. You know, they've only won one game away from home this season. The only other team in the top 10, like Newcastle, to win as, as few as that. And they've conceded 17 goals away from home, which again is the same as Newcastle. Um, so, yeah, Fulham will be coming north very much with the idea of winning because they'll spy an opportunity. But so you know, it's up to Newcastle to to, to kind of bounce back very quickly. They're able to do that at home. They haven't been able to bounce back away from home, but they've been able to do it at home. And it's a challenge also for the crowd to get up for it. And it's going to be difficult after one of those huge, sweeping, emotional matches. You know, there's going to be a tendency for people to be, um, you know, down a bit or not quite as up for it because it's just a, it's just a kind of regulation match. But um, it becomes really, really important. You know, Newcastle have historically been one of those teams that, you know, I think it was Graham Graham Sooners who said, you know, you're only three games away or three defeats away from a crisis at Newcastle. This is a very different Newcastle now, but they do need to to end this run of losses and get things back on track so I think it's a great test for everybody and everybody has to rise to it and Chris it's a it's a 3 p.m kickoff on a Saturday isn't it and Newcastle are still unbeaten under Eddie Howe when it comes to 3 p.m Saturday kickoff so boards well doesn't it yeah I love a niche start which gives everyone a bit of positivity and we'll stick with that one yeah it's, <laughs> it's definitely the 3 p.m which is that makes it I mean Jurgen Klopp would probably argue half 12 doesn't work well and Newcastle aren't great early on a Saturday I believe so so yeah it's 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 a kickoff time which they'll they'll like and with it being at St James's Park and it'll be interesting to see how I suppose not just the players and coaching staff respond but also how the crowd responds I very much imagine that there will be immense positivity and, and, and encouragement from Newcastle United supporters on Saturday because they will know how much that is required to try and get Newcastle back onto that form. They've won six games in a row at St. James's Park in the Premier League, seven of eight. Um and that's that's what they need. They need to keep that going because the whole because the away form is not where it should be right now. And, and if anything is is is, is well it's among the bottom five in the Premier League, they need their home form to in the Premier League to to continue if they are going to stay in touch with that top four. And of course, uh, George Kieran Trippier suspended for this one. He's going to be a big miss, isn't he? 
Yeah, of course he is. I mean, I think, you know, if you if you watch the Everton games and the Spurs games and he's made those very uncharacteristic mistakes, I think people would say that, you know, he's due a rest and I think I think that is definitely fair, but at the same time, you know, we saw again against Milan how important he is not just at the back for Newcastle. He is one of the if not the key figure in terms of Newcastle's attack, you know, takes those set pieces makes makes assists that's his job and so there will have to be a big shift it's great news in that capacity that there's such an able deputy in uh, Tino Livramento who's obviously been playing playing on the left and now uh, now Dan Byrne comes back in way ahead of schedule after his after his broken back i mean that's brilliant brilliant to see him but yeah i mean hopefully Trippier comes back you know gets a chance to refresh and then comes back stronger because he is he is an absolutely crucial and pivotal member of the Newcastle Newcastle team. Absolutely. And that bench is getting a bit stronger now, Chris, isn't it? Although it didn't quite have the impact we might have wished against Milan. Have we got anybody else who's potentially close to coming back? Harvey Barnes, Sven Botman, anybody else? Harvey Barnes shouldn't be too far away. I think Botman they are taking it very, very slowly with, so I don't know how imminent his return actually is because they want to be careful and make sure that, that when he does come back, his knee doesn't doesn't flare up again or, or give it as much chance as possible. So I don't think we'll see Botman. Barnes, probably in the next uh, week or two, should be getting closer. I don't know if he'll be back for Fulham. Uh, and yeah, that it does look like Injuries are easy. They were able to bring on Alexander Isak, had Callum Wilson up front. That was a positive. Sean Longstaff came on. But Anthony Gordon came off with a tight hamstring. Looked like it was precautionary, but that is a bit of a concern because um, obviously the, the amount of workload he's been going through uh, and and uh, they have other options who Eddie Howe has, has been reluctant to use in the likes of Lewis Hall in recent weeks. But Emil Kraft and, and Matt Ritchie will come back into the Premier League squad this weekend. So the bench is getting slightly stronger, yes. Right then, uh, that's just about it. We've got one more uh, thing to tell you about. Newcastle women play filed in the league on Sunday, but the big news uh, this week is another trip to that part of the world. And we were talking last last week about wanting a big hit in the FA Cup draw, and we got arguably the best draw possible. Newcastle will go to Manchester United. Another episode in what's now a bit of a soap opera between those two clubs, isn't it, George? Should be some occasion, that. Yeah, absolutely perfect draw, really good. I mean, I think also... I think it's the kind of thing that Newcastle need. I mean, I think, you know, they've I'm not I don't want to say they've been comfortable this season, but I mean they've just been supreme, haven't they? I mean It's good to see them tested against a higher calibre of opposition, won't it? It's what you want to see and you know, big occasion, a big draw, big club. Let's see where Newcastle are at the moment. I just I think it's fantastic. And yeah, it is. It's um the the rivalry between Newcastle and Manchester United. I know Man United fans would would probably scoff at that, but it has become a feature for us in the past season and a half, past couple of seasons. So yeah, let's see let's see what the lasses can do. It's been the men's team have done very well against them this season. So let's see what they can do too. I just think it's a wonderful draw. Very exciting. Yeah. Uh, right, and that's just about it. Feel free to get in touch with us at Pod on the Tine on Twitter or X, uh, and email us at podonthetine at theathletic.com. That's it for today. Thanks very much, Chris, uh, for your time. You're very welcome. I just want to reiterate that I've always rated Christian Pulisic and always thought he would come up with a big moment in, in a key game. So apologies to everyone it's out there. It's too late now, Chris. Yeah, don't, too late don't, now. don't slag anybody off when I'm sitting next to you I've hit the Fulham game, okay? I'll just slag you off instead. That'll be... That'll, well, that'll that's be fine. Good. I don't mind. I, I, I have <laughs> nothing to row... I mean... I don't know what the equivalent would be of me scoring an equaliser or a winner. So, yeah, don't worry. Don't worry about that too much. Chris, by the way, so like Chris and I worked a little bit on a piece on a piece last week. It was about Sandro Tonali and what he's been doing since uh, since the first Milan game and since his ban kicked in. And Chris yeah. wrote most of it. 
But he, he, he came to me at one point and said, uh, oh, I know what it feels like to be culkin now. I know. And I, and I said, well, what do you mean by that? And he said, well, I've spent hours and hours and hours agonizing over this intro. Hours agonizing over it. You know, the start to the piece. It's like, oh, okay. And then there's like a pause. Yeah, and it's not very good. Ring an endorsement of Culkin's work there. <laughs> I just, th- do you know what I thought to myself, Taylor? I thought to myself, you little shit. <laughs> On the subject of Culkin, I did mention that he pulled his hood up earlier. I did not describe the coat that he was wearing. He did look like he was in some sort of 1990s hip hop video because it was, it looked like he, at some point he'd lost five stone because it was absolutely massive, this coat. I thought a Jedi had wandered on the call earlier on when he pulled his head up. That's what it looked like. Put it's, that lightsaber it's, it's, it's very much my um, it's very very much my hip hop alter ego, which as Chris knows, George Culkin, OG, um, you know, old geezer as Chris would have on goal. Yeah, on goal yeah. Right then, that's it. Thank you very much, uh, lads, for your time. Thank you very much for listening, everybody out there. That's it. Newcastle, unfortunately, are out of Europe, but we keep going. We've still got lots to play for. Take care. Have a good week, and we shall speak to you very soon. From everybody at Pod on the Time, goodbye. If I knew nothing else about you, that would be enough. But you also tilt when you should withdraw. And that is nightly too. The Athletic.